0: with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, over and over again. Does that mean that we fall out of love with him? Well, sometimes that does happen. There's lots of distractions and noise and cultural pulls here and there, and we may lose our focus from time to time, and, and that happens. Uh, but then we can fall in love with him over. I suppose the more positive path would be to fall in love with him at a different stage or different step or different uh, knowledge, uh, growing relationship. We we don't have to fall out of love to fall in love at another step. And as we know more about God and his uh, benefits and gifts and love for us, OUR NATURAL RESPONSE SHOULD PROBABLY BE TO, to, to LOVE HIM MORE. AND AS OUR, our FAITH GROWS, uh, WE LEARN MORE ABOUT HIM AS WE TRUST HIS PROMISES. Uh, BUT WE HAVE TO REALIZE THAT NOT EVERY FAITH IS A HEALTHY FAITH. Uh, That THE the HEALTH OF THE FAITH DEPENDS UPON THE OBJECT OF THE FAITH. AND IF OUR OBJECT IS UNRELIABLE, THEN OUR FAITH WON'T WORK VERY WELL. SO THERE ARE ALL KINDS of, OF INSTRUCTIONS IN SCRIPTURE TO GUARD OUR FAITH, TO MAKE SURE THAT WE TEST EVERYTHING ACCORDING TO Thessalonians to rely on reliable witnesses. John says, I'm telling you what I've seen and, and heard. Luke talks about his studious uh, examination of all of the accounts of Jesus. Uh, Paul says, we, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables. Uh, we're giving you the truth, and as we grow in our relationship with with God and with Jesus through the the Scriptures, through a, a careful examination of the facts, through the rejection of uh, fake news, all those kinds of things, we wade through it. Our relationship with with God grows, and we begin to realize that. GOD LOVES US. DOESN'T SEEM LIKE IT SOMETIMES, DOES IT? PANDEMICS COME AND ALL KINDS OF DIFFICULTIES uh, WE HAVE TO FACE. Uh, BUT if, we're, we stay, IF WE STAY IN THE PATH, uh, OUR APPRECIATION AND LOVE AND GRATITUDE FOR GOD WILL ONLY GROW AND GROW. And I think there's one basic reason for that, and that is that we are helpless. (laughs) We are creatures weak and frail. We wander from the path, but God loves us. He continues to love us. He wants the very, very best for us. He created us to be, uh, to glorify Him, not, not just Desmurge his reputation. (laughs) Okay, Uh, he he wants us to be uh, glowing lights, and and he does this by constantly renewing our relationship. I'm getting to my point here. Okay, so so we we come every uh, Lord's Day together. Sometimes separated, other other times, but we come. WITH ONE MAJOR PURPOSE, AND THAT IS TO CELEBRATE OUR LIFE IN JESUS CHRIST, TO COMMUNE WITH HIM, TO CONTINUE HIS uh, 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 REALIZATION OF HIS his PRESENCE. AND WE DO IT FREQUENTLY BECAUSE WE ARE VERY FORGETFUL. Uh, AS WE GROW OLDER WE REALIZE THAT MORE AND MORE. And SO THE RENEWING OF OUR MINDS AND OUR HEARTS AS WE FELLOWSHIP IN THE LORD'S SUPPER AND and COMMUNION INCREASES OUR KNOWLEDGE OF GOD AND OUR FAITH uh, AND OUR LOVE. WE CAN'T HELP BUT DO THAT, AND SO OUR NATURAL uh, RESPONSE IS AS HE GAVE HIS LIFE FOR US, we want to give our lives for others. Faith is followed by service and action. And this particular day, we're we're ending up the the year. I'm wearing black because I'm trying to put the year to bed. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if WE HAVE A FUNERAL FOR 2020, IT WOULD BE APPROPRIATE, I THINK. Uh, BUT AT THE SAME TIME, WE'VE LEARNED SOME THINGS. WE'VE ENDURED SOME THINGS. OUR our FAITH HAS BEEN TESTED. Uh, we, WE CAN GROW uh, MORE, RECOGNIZING THAT GOD DID WHAT WE COULD NOT DO FOR OURSELVES. Uh, HIS FORGIVENESS, HIS GRACE IS RICH. Uh, ENRICHING OUR LIVES, uh, HELPING US TO FACE THOSE THINGS THAT WILL HAPPEN IN THE FUTURE. WE CAN ALWAYS POINT BACK TO 2020 AND SAY, YEAH, WE MADE IT THROUGH THE FLOOD. Uh, WE MADE IT THROUGH THE wiles OF THE DEVIL. WE MADE IT THROUGH THE PANDEMIC. AND COVID WILL BE A a MEDAL OF HONOR uh, FOR US, (laughs) MAYBE. AT ANY RATE, IT IS HIS SACRIFICE OF HIS SON. He's, HE MET OUR NEED WHEN WE COULD NOT uh, MEET OUR OWN uh, PROBLEMS. WE CAN'T HAVE HIS, his GRACE uh, WITHOUT THE LOVE THAT, that he's, HE GIVES TO US. AND SO WE HAVE CELEBRATED uh, CHRISTMAS, THE COMING OF CHRIST. Uh, WE CELEBRATE his death, his resurrection, and as Paul says in First Corinthians, we celebrate proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So in the present, we're celebrating the past, the future, the cosmos is all tied together. Let's pray. Father. We are humbled before your greatness. We're in awe of your, your majesty. And that you would send your son to miserable people on earth, rebels, uh, disobedient, uh, foolish, and short sighted, with all the weaknesses. BUT WITH ALL THE POTENTIAL THAT WE HAVE BECAUSE OF YOUR LOVE, WE we JUST PAUSE THIS MORNING AND WE THANK YOU FROM THE BOTTOM OF OUR HEARTS, AND WE PRAY THAT WE MIGHT FOLLOW IN, in YOUR PATH. AND WE PRAY THAT uh, AS WE TAKE THE BREAD uh, OF ONE BODY, uh, THAT WE WILL GLORIFY YOU AND EXALT YOU IN the lives that we live in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So let's participate in the, there we go. I'm sorry, I've got it stuck in the roof of my mouth. <laughs> I can't. We'll, well, go ahead. <laughs> Lord, forgive us for laughing. All right, let's pray for the cup. We know that without blood, there's no remission of sin. Our life is in the blood we pray that we might honor you as we share together in this one body in jesus name amen
1: mm-hmm.
0: LOVE IS REFLECTED BY THE WAY THAT WE CARRY OUT THE MEANING OF JESUS' SACRIFICE FOR OTHERS, AND SO AS WE SHARE, AS WE GIVE, WE'RE DEMONSTRATING our, OUR LOYALTY, OUR FAITHFULNESS, AND HONORING CHRIST IN THIS COMMUNITY IN A VERY SPECIFIC WAY. LET'S um, REMEMBER THAT THERE ARE RECEPTACLES FOR YOUR OFFERINGS AS YOU LEAVE, AND LET US PRAY FOR THOSE OFFERINGS. WE THANK YOU, FATHER, FOR WHAT YOU'VE GIVEN TO US, AND WE GIVE BACK uh, WITH LOVE IN OUR HEARTS AND a purpose that we might uh, serve others and reflect your love In jesus name amen
2: This is 347 for car people. Standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing. THE PROMISES OF GOD MY SAVIOR STANDING, STANDING, I'M STANDING ON THE PROMISES OF GOD, STANDING ON THE PROMISES THAT CANNOT FAIL WHEN THE HOWLING STORMS OF DOUBT AND FEAR ASSAIL. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. on the promises of God standing on the promises of Christ the Lord bound to him eternally by love strong cord overcoming daily with the spirit's sword standing on the promises of God standing standing Promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fail. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Now, the sermon needs to jump over.
1: Sermon. Thanks, Dylan. Sermon. We turned up my microphone. And the juggling of all the soundboard magic that happens back there. Hi, people. How we doing? this is certainly, oh, thank you, car people. You can't see it in here, but I think this is the fewest people I have ever seen on a Sunday morning at this church. If someone would take a picture of this. Okay, 40 inside here. Can someone really take a picture of this? I'd like to have it. Because we don't know what the Lord's going to be doing. You know, and I got to say, I had a friend of mine say a quote that really meant a lot to me. He said, uh, sometimes when you feel like it's all dark around you and there's not a lot of hope, the reason for that is you are a seed and you've been planted. So maybe it is the Lord who's planting us through the things that we've been through this year. Um, and I want to talk about hope for our new year. And uh, we're going to review a couple, uh, a couple of the goals that I put forth for us in 2019, this time last year, before we knew any of the craziness that was about to break out and happen, starting just a couple months later. And uh, I thought it's really good to look at where we've been, look at what our hopes were, and then we're going to talk about maybe some steps forward in our time today. You know, it's not about how many people are meeting in here or how many people are in our fellowship. It's, it's heartening when we have more people and more energy and more relationships going on. But what the Lord is really looking at is the quality of the love that we have for each other and for Him. So, whether we are many or whether we are few, if we have the right kind of heart, we leave the rest to the Lord to take care of. All right. So, if you have a Bible, our first verse we're going to look at is from Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So as a fellowship of believers, I think a crucial question for us is, how do we continue to stand in and grow in our freedom and not take up the different various yokes of slavery that we had in the past? Hi, Bernie and Mary. So, God has purposes. How is the life that you are living right now helping fulfill the mission of God and his purposes? That's a question I want to put before us, and we're going to come back to that. The life you're living now, how is it accomplishing God's mission and his purposes? Sometimes I think, uh, not very well. And other times I think, okay, Lord, you're showing me stuff we can move in that direction. As individuals, when we ask that question, this necessarily means if we want the purposes of God that we're going to have to want more from our life than our own comfort, our own security, uh, our own pleasure. We're in love with our own pleasure. But we leverage our own comfort And security and pleasure instead to produce the fruits of the kingdom and seek the greater good that God wants from our lives you see we're a strange kind of creature that we are regular human beings but we proclaim Jesus Christ as the Son of God we proclaim our lives as belonging to him uh, so our call is to not live for our own pleasure, comfort, and security, but rather, rather um, we live we live with a different narrative than the world. I guess is what I'm trying to say: self fulfillment is not our greatest good, right? If you claim Jesus Christ as Lord, self fulfillment is not the greatest good that you seek. We live in a culture with slogans of all kinds, just do it, your way right away, treat yourself. And I think these things have their place, but when we make the self our greatest good and self-fulfillment our God, we have let ourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery instead of taking on the easy yoke of Jesus Christ. And don't miss it. One way or another, you're going to have to put on some kind of yoke. So that's as individuals. Then as a church, as a gathered fellowship of disciples of Jesus, um, I think to not be burdened by a yoke of slavery and to embrace the freedom of Christ, what that means for us as a church is that our purposes are greater than just worrying about our survival. How many people are in here in the building? How many people are in the cars? How many people are listening online? Our goals are more than just keeping the doors of this place open. Uh, Unfortunately, I have to say keeping your minister paid and uh, uh, food on his family's table although I really do appreciate that so much. Uh, Our goals are bigger than just surviving, just paying the electric bills. Uh, We have to, as a community of faith, want more than this. And to want less than this, it's a form of slavery. I say this because in our day and time, and after a year like we've had, a lot of churches have been in a cycle for decades now of just playing a defensive game. And it's very tempting to play a defensing game to kind of shore up things a little bit uh, because a lot of what's going on around us is very disheartening and it can be very discouraging for us. Uh, we have a cultural trajectory that we're immersed in that is increasingly hostile. To Orthodox Christianity, just normal, sold out for Jesus kind of Christianity that follows the Bible, that holds the Word of God in Scripture as authoritative and something that God desires us to follow. We have shrinking attendance, shrinking budgets, we have missing generations from the church, we have members who are more disciplined about their exercise routines than their routines of fellowship and meeting together as a body. Priorities of, um, I don't know, things that lead toward or help us fulfill in some sense our own comfort, our own pleasure, our own security, our own entertainment. And the churches we face c- discouragement that comes through things like conflict, church splits. There's been a history of those things here at this place. Um, Churches that are old, churches that have lost their mission, that have lost their fire. And there's a very real temptation to just sink back into a defensive posture, and let's just try to hold on and ride this out as long as we possibly can And when churches lose the mission of God, they end up with things like a social justice cause or some kind of legalism that is just a list of rules to keep but has no vision of how they should be following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Churches are on the defensive because they have fully embraced The culture and a form of theological liberalism where the Bible is no longer authoritative and is largely ignored or dismissed as it is difficult to follow or to understand. So let's just push it aside. It doesn't fit my agenda. Churches are on fire, are on the defensive because we've lost our fire. Um, It shows up in Our forms of worship, it shows up in our singing, it shows up in our preaching, it shows up in the rituals that we have that a lot of what we do, it just seems cold and dry and boring to a lot of us because we've lost a heart of love that gives these forms meaning This has been a tough year for us. I mean, just looking around, our attendance at this service last time, uh, this a year ago today, or this time last year, I think we're probably at half, maybe, of what we were, if if that, including the cars. We're probably half with what we were, and uh, we're wearing masks kind of. And we're socially distanced, kind of. And uh, I think this has been a hard year, especially for our older members and the isolation they've been asked to endure. And uh, I still see a sparkle in some of your eyes, and I thank God for it. But some of us have aged considerably behind our masks. And so if you were to describe this year, 2020, as a scented candle, what would the aroma of this year be? We've had COVID, we've had riots, we've had forest fires, election drama. So if you were to market a fragrance for the year 2020, Uh, what would that fragrance be? And this is just my own. This is the best I could come up with that I found. It would be something like this. So where does this leave us? Do we just give up? Do we just keep Playing the defensive game, holding out as long as we can. I want to suggest that now is not our time to grieve over what we've lost. We have to grieve over what we've lost. Or to grieve over all that we don't have or all the opportunities that we missed To just defend and try to survive is not going to be our tactic, tactic as a church. I believe that this is our time to press forward into new things and to attack. Because in Jesus Christ, our future is not slavery, our future is freedom. Peter says this, a man is a slave. To whatever has mastered him so many things have mastered so many people distractions accumulating wealth chasing after certain kinds of relationships doesn't have to be things like drug addictions or it could be any number of things food for a lot of people it's mastered them what you do with your own time and your own schedule. Uh, It's a way you worship yourself, the way you spend your time. And those things, when God is displaced as our number one, as our greatest good, those things become a form of slavery for us, that we become slaves to. Romans 6, 17 through 18. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That is our invitation. Peter says, you want to know what slavery, what you are a slave to? You are a slave to the things that have mastered you. You are a slave to the things that have dominated you. You want to know what that is? Look at your schedule. Look at the things you give your time to. Look at your checkbook or your credit card statement. That will show what you become a slave to. And everybody's going to be a slave to somebody. And the problem for us comes when you think you can do a better job of taking care of yourself than God can. Every person who is alive is going to be the slave of something. It can be any number of things, as we know. Pornography, crystal meth, an explosive temper, fancy food in the refrigerator, or simply your own bloated ego, kind of narcissism that just lives deep inside of you. That's one way that so many people are tripped up with. But in the easy yoke of Jesus Christ, we have available to us the slavery of righteousness. Righteousness from God. And I want to suggest that as we learn to become slaves of our God, That is where we progressively step into greater and greater freedom. And it seems crazy, but the reality of it is true. And we look at the saints who have gone on before us, our own saints, even in this congregation, the things that they lived for, the things that they committed themselves to, the things that were important to them, the faith of our fathers. Our call is to freedom from Galatians 5, 13, and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The freedom that God gives us is the freedom that we need to serve and the freedom to love and to love well. And this should be the heart that goes into every good work that we commit ourselves to as a church. If we have a heart that is free, should we not be more courageous? If we have a heart that is free, should we not be more creative Theologian named Ken Boa, he had this quote that says, The normal Christian life is sadly not the abundant life of the Bible that God calls us to. Most Christians really aren't willing to go for broke. Are we going for broke? Would you describe your heart and your life as going for broke for the Lord? What would it look like for us as a church to go for broke? So what's interesting is I looked for over goals that I articulated in a sermon this time last year as works for the congregation. Um, This was a couple months before the crazy of this year really started to take hold. Um, I like these goals, and I want to look over them again because we haven't accomplished all of them. (laughs) Goals for consideration. I said, let's try to go for 20 baptisms in 2020. This means we're going to need to develop our discipleship. We didn't have 20 baptisms in 2020. But you know what? We had eight. We had eight. And look at the number of people in this room. That would be those eight precious souls. If we can hold on to them and continue to encourage them and disciple them, that would be 15% of the number of people in this room. Praise God for that. We talked about the growth and development of our care ministry. I've not always done a consistently good job articulating that and keeping that vision before you. But praise God For the saints of this church who've taken this task seriously. And they were doing it before, and they continue to do it during this year, and they're going to keep going. And we know who those people are. And I'm so thankful for the pastoral care that is being worked in this church through cards, through little conversations through checking and writing emails, through little phone calls, driveway visits. This humble, humble work that can make all the difference for creating community and making it mean something to be a part of this fellowship in this church. Ongoing commitment to prayer. We still have a prayer ministry that has met this entire year and our numbers are small it's just a handful of us on Tuesdays and Thursdays and people pop out and they pop in and but this humble work maybe it's just been two or three it's not been in person very much anymore it's been on Zoom mostly but the the intercessory prayer needs of this church are being lifted up by this church family on a regular basis. And it's ongoing and it's happening. And I thank the Lord for it. And I think that ministry needs to grow. And even if it's two to four or whether it's 10 to 15 people who are involved in that or finding other times for that, Our life, our survival as the people of God, it hinges on our discipleship, which is our relationships, and prayer. Prayer is all about relationship, prayer is all about communication with our Lord and God. So, I also articulated some other goals for our consideration a need and ability to hire an associate minister. Can you imagine what it would be like to have not just one Calvin person running around, but two? Well, I'm I'm unique, you know that, in bizarre ways. But uh, our young families, our worship. We used to have a thing here called life groups, where we get together in each other's. House. Remember that. All of these areas of fellowship need. You know, uh, the gift of having paid ministers and people who are able to give uh, their full-time attention to this is it, it just, it brings a level of focus and desire and attention to things that, that we maybe wouldn't have otherwise. And a church that has different talents and different people who were able to focus on different areas, it turns out to be a real gift. So maybe 2021, after the year we've had, this is rushing things a little bit, but maybe not. We've got to see what the Lord does on the other side of this, because I'm telling you, we are going to get to the other side of this one way or another. You trust that. giving opportunities that we set out as a goal. We had a goal of updating our security system. We actually accomplished that one. We got that one done, and uh, thank the Lord for that. More chairs. Actually, we got plenty of chairs now. Let's worry about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Compassionate giving to help orphans and other benevolence needs. So we maybe have not accomplished that fully. We haven't. But we are looking at new missions policy stuff. JJ and Van and I, we sat down, we hashed out a missions policy for our church, a way to look at certain works and vet certain works. Mike and I had a meeting with a mission group uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and there are opportunities for good mission works that we need to be involved with as, as a congregation. So I think that this next year, some of those will come to light more and those doors and opportunities will open as well. Um, And then another goal that we articulated a year ago was every disciple involved in good works. So I invited you to ask, what do you feel passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? Can you turn this into something that blesses your church and honors the Lord? And this is more than just coming up with a to do list or busy work and a project for someone else. But you yourself, how are you getting some skin in the game with what goes on here at the Eugene Church of Christ? I'd like you to consider that again and keep considering that. All right, so these are some of the goals that were articulated. I like this list, I think it's a good list. I think that some formation work needs to happen in our own hearts for us to be able to live up to some of these things and to reach out and go after them hard. But just because I articulate some goals, just because I put them out there for your consideration. it doesn't mean that any of you are going to lift a finger to do anything about it. That's not on me. That's on you, between you and the Lord. So I have to hold these things in mind as I look at the reality of our resources, our time, our energy, the direction that we need to go in, the history of where we've been. I love to think about stuff like this. and I love to spend time doing that. Uh, But I know not everyone is gonna be excited about the same things that I'm excited about necessarily. So here are some things that we have to come to terms with. No response, it is a response. In fact, it is the easiest response. And it is the response that we get 99.9% of the time. If people wanted to, they would. If you really wanted to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you would find ways to do that. And they wouldn't be necessarily the things I'm putting before you. But you would find ways to do what you want to do. The problem is, do you want to do what the Lord would will you to do? Timing is not always going to be in our favor. If we could just have a little bit more of a if we could just have a bigger contribution base, maybe that would be the timing to add an associate minister. If we could just We need to be able to look at what we already have, what's in our hands, and also be bold in stepping out in our faith. And then realize not everyone has the same heart as you. My heart is not your heart. And you know what? That's a gift. Because God puts different ideas, different dreams, different desires... One of my pleasures and roles that I have as a minister is when other people come with dreams and ideas, I get to help them kind of think through some of these things. I don't understand the needs or the desire. You want to start a learning center. Uh, Okay, sure. Use the facilities here. Let me talk to the elders about it. Let's... And look how God takes things and blesses it. Humble little works. Different ideas, different dreams, different desires. And I get to speak an amen to that. And I get to say, yes, this is the work of God. Yes, this is a good thing, church. That's the joy of my role as your minister. Well, this list, when I first read it, I had to think about it a little while because it sounds, just at the surface level, very depressing to me, (laughs) depressing because with this kind of thinking, why would you try to change anything? We're old, we're tired, we're stuck in our ruts, we're stuck in our routines, no one wants this, no one wants, you know, there's the voice of the enemy that can speak and defeat any of these ideas before we let them get off the ground or even entertain them a step or two beyond what is convenient for our own selves. You know, as far as the institution of the church here, as we have created it, as far as, in as much as this is a human endeavor, it is a perfectly designed system to get the results that we currently have it's the true the same truth in the business world your business is built perfectly it's designed perfectly to get the results that you're currently getting but we're not in this alone this isn't just a human institution The church is something that is close to the heart of God, is it not? Something that Jesus died for. That we have freedom in Christ. We have the freedom to look around and say, if we don't like the results that we're currently getting, how do we change that? How do we together with the Lord try some new things and move in new directions? How do we figure out changing the heart behind everything that we put our hands to do? Because if the heart is right, right actions follow from a right heart. So here's another scary thought. Suppose our failures occur not in spite of what we are doing but precisely because of it. We have to take some responsibility for the situation we're in now. Uh, The level of commitment that we have, the depth of our relationships, it's not fed some of us. And we have people who have walked away and have found that they're more comfortable without us than with us. That's a hard truth, isn't it? But I think it's worthwhile to consider that. And maybe that speaks to our willingness to try new things, one, and to look around at who is still here in this room. Or in this parking lot, and who's ready to do something and rather than nothing. The defensive game—it's not been working. It's not been working for a long time. So what a strange sermon I'm preaching this day, huh? What would it take for us to move decisively? and with purpose and direction to move past our comfort to move past our apathy and our, inv- our indifference really all it takes to do this is the Holy Spirit and one or more hearts of faith that are willing to partner together with him And if we get that, that group grows a little bit bigger. That group can change the direction of an entire church. An entire church can change the direction of what's going on in your family life, of what's going on in this neighborhood, of what's going on in this community. Changing hearts is about changing the things we desire. And I like the way my friend Dallas puts it. He says this, one of the things that we have to come to terms with or one of the things we have to do is want to not want what we now want. Does that make sense? You've got to think about that a little bit. Because there's several steps there. Um, even the desire to desire the right things is more than I desire right now, is another way to put that. But it is the steps we take toward the Lord, toward faith, hope, and love that give our deepest desires any permanence, any, any chance of lasting. What this is talking about is recognizing all of the places in my own heart where we have said, you know what, Lord, no thank you. I don't want you here. Because we tend to compartmentalize. Yeah, I can come here on a Sunday morning. Yeah, no sweat. Sometimes Calvin's a little annoying up there. Sometimes he's a little dry. Sometimes he gets in my business a little bit. I can handle that. But the desire to want more of this relationship with God, the desire to want more in our relationship with each other. Can you even pray for the possibility of that desire? Because most of us, we have about as much as we want, we think because we have not consistently seen or tasted how good true Christian community and fellowship can be. Some of us have. Some of us keep coming back because we still hold a dream for that. Corey Ten Boom says this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Simple words, they kind of rhyme. That's, that's my sermon in a nutshell. Profound truth there. It's where do we fix the eyes of our heart? And if you are distressed, if you are depressed, that says something about where you're looking. But if you are at rest, that says something about where your desires are as well. So in addition to our same 2020 goals that I feel like we just need to keep working on, okay, we maybe didn't get 20 baptisms yet, we got eight, by God's grace, and we have work to do with those eight people yet too. But we can get 12 more. We can get there. We're going to get there. We need to keep working on those things and taking steps toward deeper community, deeper commitment as a church family. And I realize that these are just desires that I'm sharing as a minister and there's a lot of these ideas that I have that are, are needing to be vetted, need to be talked about, needing to be discussed more. But a lot of our relationships have not been deep enough. And uh, this year has exacerbated that. It has destroyed a lot of our opportunities for fellowship and community in the ways that we normally have fellowship and community. So, one of the things that I would like to do as your minister, because I can't change everyone's heart and everyone's thinking, and every, but I want to make myself more accessible to you as your minister and as your friend this year. Not as someone that you can come complain to because you don't like the way the air conditioning blows on you, or we have deacons for that. <laughs> but more accessible to you in the sense of being your friend and sharing with you, what is, what is the Lord doing in your life? I want to be a listening ear for you. And one of the things that I would propose that we consider and again, this is just Calvin speaking out and dreaming, is that uh, we need greater presence here on our church property, Uh, not just for security purposes, but for discipleship purposes, to use the facilities that we have more fully. Um, I think we need to move in the direction of being more than just a church that people commute to, a commuter church, So, I would propose building a parsonage cottage on the church property uh, for me and my family to live in, along with a fireside room attached to it for evening relaxation and fellowship. And uh, I would like this facility to have a couple different guest rooms for housing and discipling members of this church. Uh, in essence, creating an intentional community of discipleship that was in residence here um, and a part of everything going on here at this church. I know that sounds just kind of out there and a little bit crazy idea, but I know that the six months that my family lived here, first of all, my wife discovered I don't want to live and be an art, a full-time RVer. But the six months that we lived in the back parking lot here, it was like miracle Grow for uh, being in each other's lives, for building relationships with complete strangers very quickly, that we were pulled into everything going on here, that we were able to have meals in the fellowship hall with people that we, we haven't had meals with and fellowship with, you know, since that time. But here's another reality. This is from My daughter pastor's vision versus the church budget. There are certain realities that we are uh, obliged to consider. But let me just say, in my experience, um, in starting something new, money's not the biggest hurdle. Even things that seem pretty capital intensive. One of the God-given gifts that Alicia and I share is hospitality and creating community. And we need and desire opportunities to express that more in the life of the church. <clears throat> One of my favorite things is to build loving relationships and I love the way that the spirit dwells in and enriches our relationships with each other. And it's just like there's a sweetness to it and an excitement and an energy to it. And there's nothing like it. But that's just Calvin thinking at this point and a teaser for some of these ideas of a congregational reboot, what that would look like. Um, what would it look like to go deeper in our commitments, deeper in our relationships, our relationship with each other, our relationship with the Lord? So in the upcoming weeks, we get Mike next week. He's going to kind of do a, a review of the year, I think, as I understood it, and he does a great job with that, so come and look forward to that. And then we're going to be unpacking some of these ideas as we turn the corner into this new year, 2021. Um, where are we going to be going as a church? And the place we're going to start, interestingly, is um, where we've come from as a church movement. It's, I've been looking at some of the things about the history of where we come from as a movement, a church of Christ or Christian churches. Sometimes we've been called a Stone Campbell movement. And I think by looking at where we've come from and where we've been, maybe that can speak something. That's, that's kind of in our, 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 our DNA as a church. Maybe that can add some light and speak something into our what's next things coming. So we're gonna start with some of that, but we're also gonna be re-examining our commitments to this church, our commitments to each other, but primarily our commitments to the Lord your God. And I hope that we have some fun talking about and dreaming about these things together. A thinker, Thomas Merton, had this quote. The mind that is the prisoner of conventional ideas and the will that is the captive of its own desire cannot accept the seeds of an unfamiliar truth and a supernatural desire. For how can I receive, receive the seeds of freedom if I am in love with the slavery? And how, If I am in love with slavery, and how can I cherish the desire of God if I am filled with another and opposite desire? It makes it hard. And that is the yoke of slavery that I'm talking about. A slavery to self that we're invited to move past. You see, our God is a God of purpose and a God of mission. And He doesn't care that there are 40 people in the auditorium or 400. He cares about each and every one of our hearts. He cares about what's going on in your heart and your life. And we need to stop hiding that from each other and learn how to share that and embrace that and go deeper as a community together. So to close today, I just want to look at some verses that talk about uh, purpose in our Christian life. Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Romans 8, 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Second Timothy 1, 9, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. See, God has plans. And God's plans always succeed. And to the extent that we embrace the plans of God, we find our freedom and our purpose as a church. I think that's our invitation for this next year. I praise God for those of you who are still here. And I'm thankful for it. And we need to take the grace that we've been given and the resources that have been entrusted to us and we need to find ways to lay it all on the line to accomplish accomplish the purposes of our God and his mission and his desires. And in so doing, both as a congregation and individually, we find the freedom that we long for. So let's uh, go ahead and stand and sing together. Dylan.